You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. Uh, We are going to uh, tackle a genre of sorts. But you and I didn't have any clue what the hell we were going to do. We're going to talk about movies, we're going to talk about TV shows, we're going to talk about toys, we're going to talk about, you know, all the things that made this such such an important part. I love toys. I'm Jason Klaus. I'm Sean Grugel. And we are power tripping the 80s here on the pfc podcast network powered by anchor.fm (laughs) (laughs) welcome to power stop it stop it Welcome to the show. I'm Jason Klaus. With me, for all intents and purposes, is Sean Grugel. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, bro. But, like, I've held it in for you know, the better part of a day now. But, like, just the uh, everything that took to get this thing up and rolling this morning. <laughs> oh, man. For you personally. I didn't sign up for this shit. <laughs> oh, welcome to Power Tripping Through the 80s here on the PFC Entertainment Network. Uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us this week. Power limping through the 80s. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor Sean, man. Like, listen, we're going to pull the curtain back a little bit right out of the gate this week. Um, fact of the matter is my tag team partner my co-host my brother from another mother is having something of an issue this morning (laughs) and yesterday and yesterday jesus christ man um you know we joke about you know we generally old people when when they have ailments it's easy to make jokes about, well, be careful. You don't want to break a hip. <laughs> Usually when something like that materializes, it's because, you know, they, they missed a step and down they go. Something along these lines. Uh, that's not what happened with you. You were virtually fucking sleeping. I was and, sleeping, man. <laughs> and like something along, you know, along those lines, uh, something happened with your hip, man. What's going on? 
I have no idea. I could just be sitting here and all of a sudden my hip will cramp up so bad. It's almost like if the, you know, your knuckles and your fingers, you got to crack them and you, they just won't crack. Uh, that's what's happening to my hip. And I, it is 10 times more pain than your knuckles. Um, I, I, I made it through eight hours of work yesterday. Uh, that that was a treat, um, especially when one of the young ladies come by and she asked me what was wrong with me, and I told her my hip was killing me, and she says, "Well, it's probably arthritis." I'm like, "You, you're like 20 years old. Shut the fuck up about arthritis." Yeah, yeah what the? What, what do you know about arthritis? Don't talk to us about arthritis. Kid. I, I especially don't want to hear about arthritis from you know. I mean, this girl is. A really good looking twenty something girl, and I know she's way out of my league. So, don't belittle an old man. <laughs> you know, it was it was kind of insulting, to be honest with you. But she's probably right. It probably is arthritis or something stupid like that. See, I feel like there's something else going on based on you know this. This is the Doctor Klaus portion of the show here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I feel like there there's something else going on because for for it to just happen all at one time and like like you were sleeping like you went to bed the night before perfectly fine you woke up and, and your hips all jacked up you said something um, yesterday when when we seen each other uh, we are recording on the Saturday morning so yesterday I picked Sean up uh, in route to ONTV studio in Lake Orion for the Klaus and Q show. And um, you had made mention like that particular area in your hip was extremely hot to the touch. Yeah. Uh, and and when you said that, I'm like, man, there there's something else happening um, internally, you know, internally with with the muscles. I would imagine it's not so much a, a bone structure thing. Like I feel like there's pin. It could be a pinched nerve. It could be a pulled muscle. It could be anything. Um, but in all seriousness, like I, I don't laugh cause I think it's funny because I don't like, I, I could see, especially yesterday, like I could see how much pain that, that you were in and it, it was very alarming. So yeah, but you're, you're going to have to go to the DR here this week, pal, if this thing don't, um, don't uh, work itself out. Yeah. I mean, well, you, you, you came over yesterday and, uh, you saw, I actually had to I, I was sitting in my chair and I couldn't straighten out my leg. I had to have my wife grab my leg and actually pull it out from underneath me so I can get up out of my chair. I could not move my leg. Um, I mean, this could be a blessing. Maybe this 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 is my path to early retirement from my shoot job. <laughs> but you know, uh, still doesn't negate the pain. I you know I've taken a lot of lot of shit in my life and. Uh, Yesterday, man, it it lit me up like a Roman candle. So that I didn't sign up for this getting old bullshit. This isn't fun at all. And mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Sidebar to that. Speaking of getting old, I, I made a discovery yesterday. Okay. Metamucil. <sighs> I, I I mixed that with my liquid rage energy drinks. Um, <laughs> um, well played, sir. Ah. <laughs> uh, I, I discovered people never realized that I had a beard. Um, <laughs> my my beard apparently was so white it was uh, translucent because I, I put some of that uh, 
just for men, hair color in my beard for our power tripping through the 90s show next week to uh, enhance our 90s costume. And uh, all of a sudden people are going, wow, your, your beard looks really good. I, I had uh, Cassandra Ray's like, I like your beard that length. No, it's always been this length. I guess you couldn't see it because, uh, like I said, my beard was so white, it was transparent. So, interesting. So, a, a small correction, and and I'll I'll touch on that here in just one second. But you said next week. It's actually this Friday. Oh, that's right. Show. It's dropping. Yeah. This Friday night. Backroads Bar and Grill, Holly, Michigan, our home away from home, is hosting Power Tripping into the 90s live costume karaoke party and the podcast recording with us. So, very much looking forward to it. And yeah, God damn it, Sean, you got me into. <laughs> got me into you know, dressing up for this thing. And uh, we're not going to give too many spoilers or whatever if you want to see what we're dressing up as you're going to have to come out to backroads bar and grill start to eight o'clock this friday night we're going to talk about it i'm sure throughout the duration of this show this week uh very much looking forward to it they've done a tremendous amount of work um on the interior of backroads it looks phenomenal uh gary helton was really you know putting in the work as they say and uh, it's it's really paying off. Very cool. I mean, it's always had a cool vibe, but now it you know everything is starting to fall into place. And just the work, the amount of work he's done to this point um, has made a world of difference in the overall vibe, the presentation, and the feel, the whole nine yards. So I'm I'm digging it, I'm digging it a lot. Yeah, you're talking. Uh, he's got what laser lights and. Uh, the, the backdrop is actually in really, I mean, it's really kind of cool how they, they, they got the backdrop on the stage now. And, you know, they really are putting into work. He's got uh, a new waitress there uh, to go along with the rest of the staff. And, uh, yeah, she knew, she knew your name. I, she doesn't even know my name, but she knew your name. Blew my mind, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that woman twice. Last night was the second time I'd seen her. And it was weeks apart. Okay. Like, I don't know how long she's actually been there. But, like, the last time I was there, I felt like that may have been her first night. I, I don't know. But I went to go cash out last night because, you know, okay. We'll get to the topic. We do have a topic. But this is how this is what we do. We play catch up for the benefit of our listeners. Because they're interested in what the hell goes on. Because um, we're awesome. Well, we really are. So there's that. Um, we, I went and, uh, well, you went with me down to Lake Orion last night for ONTV. And we went, we stopped at Backroads on, on the way back and had dinner and a couple of beers and, li- and listened to some pretty amazing vocalists do the karaoke thing. And, um, uh, we were, I was getting ready to leave. I was taking you home, and I went to cash out, and this waitress was, I mean, not, number one, she she was busy as fuck. Like, everybody was, you know, shouting orders at her and stuff like that, and like, she's like, you know, what what do you need? And I'm like, I need to cash out. She's like, okay, Jason, hang on one second. I'm like, wait, well, what? <laughs> well, I don't even know your name. 
but you you know my name. Do you know what her name is? I don't. I've never. Okay. I, I, I want to say Kaylee, but I'm not for sure. Okay. I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. I just didn't know if you knew off the top of your head. Yeah, off the top of my head, I am not 100% sure. Well, anyway, what she's top notch. You know, she, you know, with with as busy as she was, um, well, that's that's fun, Sean. What the <laughs> fuck are you doing, bro? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, she was she's top notch with all the shit going on around her. Like she was maintaining for sure. Uh, so I mean, shout out to everybody at Backrose. Just you know, phenomenal people. Gary, Tina, um. Unnamed a waitress, and I feel like an asshole for saying that. But I, I guess next time I go up there, I'm gonna have to make a point. <laughs> what you know who I am, but I have no idea who the fuck you are. So, um, anyway, be that as it may. Uh, aside from uh, wonky ass hips and nights at the bar, and we're getting ready for the show this week. What else is happening in your fine town of uh, Holly, Michigan? <laughs> Well, there's, been, there's been a lot. Um, first of all, question, right? yeah. First of all, I can't stop thinking about those damn grilled cheese and steak burritos from Taco Bell. But I digress. Um, things have been getting real interesting here in town, and I know on the Klaus to the Heart show, you will be having Kristen Watt on your show here before too long. And I tell you what, let, let's go ahead and save that for Klaus to the Heart, because I'm telling you what, there is some interesting things happening in and around this town right now. So I, I Listen, you know me, man. Like, I, I saw an opportunity last night, and I jumped on it. Um, just because of everything that is happening in, in and around town there. And you're right. We're, 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 we're going to table that for Klaus to the heart podcast. Um, but a, something very, very significant happened over the last week or so, a couple weeks. And I'm very much looking to, uh, go a little bit deeper in, in the woods with this. And it's going to be, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, anytime I, I get to call out. Um, people for being uh, douchebags. I, for lack of a better term, um, I'm I'm all for it. I'm I'm here for it. So, <laughs> but I tell you what, uh, the in this last week has demonstrated just how powerful the women in this town are. Uh, how collectively, I've never seen any group of people organized so quick quickly in order to stand up for themselves and, and the rights of the citizens of, of you know, this town. Uh, matter of fact, I, you were sitting there when I thank Kristen and uh, Angela Wallace and uh, Joanna Barnes for essentially just being awesome because the, the things that they're able to do collectively is amazing. There, it's no bullshit when when you hear phrases like strength and numbers. Yeah. And here's the other one. Solidarity. Yeah. And yeah, I, I could go down a rabbit hole right there. I'm not going to. I'm going to back, back out, hop in the time machine. We're going back to the 1980s. We are going to discuss this week um the roles that defined the actors in 198 in the 1980s what we mean by this is what you uh, talking about willis <laughs> there are 
there are actors who were so good in their respective roles that those roles became their identity. Okay. That's what we're going we're to tackle. Now, ordinarily, this is the part of the show where I would say, Sean, I have a list. And I would say, no shit. <laughs> I actually put in my own homework this week. I didn't find a list because after last week's list, when we discussed the stand of comedians and what a debacle that list was, so many pillars of that genre were noticeably absent from that list. I'm like, well, fuck all of you. I'm going to make my own. So that's what I've done. I have made my list for this week's show, and Sean is going to fill in the blanks. Because, to be fair, I scratched this out. I'll show Sean. You can't see it, but that's kind of what I've got so far. And I'm sure as we're talking here, more will come to mind. But this was literally off the top of my head at 6.30 in the morning this morning. So there's that. Now I use um, this nugget on my shoulder of useless knowledge to see what I can come up with. So. Now, I tried to be somewhat organized with the kind of breaking it down between TV and movies. Now, there are some actors that um, had success in both realms, both genres, both big screen and small screen. There's also a handful of actors that are so good at what they did or what they do that they're not defined by just one role. Like they were able to take multiple iconic roles and make it their own. I, the first one that comes to mind is Sylvester Stallone, Rocky and Rambo. You know, those are the two names. Those are the two characters that come out off the top of my head, because as great as Lincoln Hawk was, (laughs) it's just not on on the same realm as or on the same level as rocky or rambo would you agree with that oh i definitely agree with it and we all got those actors in our head uh who whose roles to find them like one guy right off top of my head and he's not an 80s actor but i'm just gonna throw it out there because maybe we have some newer listeners so that way they can relate to this as uh Sean William Scott, he will always be Stifler. And, great example. Great example. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, let's talk about Stifler's mom. I, I don't know her real name, but she, every time I see her, you know, whether it be in, uh, was it uh, The Devil's Rejects or she's on some TV show, I've seen her a hundred times before, uh, at Stifler's mom and will always be Stifler's mom. So, I mean, so we're talking about the American Pie movies there. And, and there you go. That's a role that defines those two characters. Absolutely perfect example. Stifler's mom, especially because was it How I Met Your Mother? Was, was that the show that she was on? I don't know. I've I've never seen it. Rules of Engagement. I don't know. But yeah, The Devil's Rejects. <laughs> that's a Rob Zombie film. You know, by the way, for for anyone that's not familiar with the horror flick. Uh, when when I seen her in there, I was like, oh, oh my God, Stifler's mom is in a Rob Zombie movie, you know. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna kind of run down this list here, and you know, we'll we'll talk about it. 
um, you can fill in the blanks, like I said, for people that I have missed, like literally, I didn't even go online. Like I was just thinking, okay, 1980s, what, what did I watch in the 1980s and did these people resonate? Last week we talked about um, Punky Brewster an awful lot and the actress that portrayed Punky Brewster, well, well that that is who, who she is. That That is Punky Brewster. Now, sidebar, I tried to give the reboot a chance. I did. And? And? I didn't get past the first episode. Nope, it's not good. Not good at no, all. I tried. I really put in the, the effort. Like, I really wanted to watch it, or, you know, or at least like it. And I it, it just wasn't there for me. So, so, so Leo Moonfry. So Leo Moonfry, yeah. So, she's... She is one of the pillars of the 1980s for me, just because of our age group and how old we were in that time. Like we were the demo for that show. Uh, so she was obviously the first one. Then I think about um, Gary Coleman as Arnold Jackson. You yep. Know? Uh, Todd Bridges, who played his brother. Um, like after, after that show went off the air, they didn't do a whole hell of a lot after that. You know, Todd Bridges, um, especially. I mean, the only time you heard Todd Bridges' name was because he was arrested for some sort of drug or alcohol or 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 some sort of issue there. Yeah, um, I was going to say, Todd Bridges did a lot after Different Strokes. So it was a lot of drugs. Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> a lot of these are broken down into the actual show because the show was so popular that anybody that was a main character on that show those characters became their identity the perfect example here i've got two of them the a team okay. and the dukes of hazard now what if i told you i have a show that supersedes that and takes even minor characters and the roles that they had to find them what would that be married with children okay that's that's on here as well. Yeah. Ed O'Neill will always be Al Bundy. Katie Seagal, even though she's on the Connors, that's Peggy Bundy. Yep. David Faustino never did anything after. I think he became a director, but he will always be Bud Bundy. You know, um, uh, Christina Applegate, while she tried her hand at other acting gigs, even when I saw her in Anchorman or Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, that's Kelly Bundy, you know, those roles to find them. Um, and I can't think of her name right now, but she was in a horror movie called Fright Night. Uh, we're talking about Marcy Darcy. Um, Amanda you know, Hearst. Amanda Hearst, yes. And uh, then you also had, uh, oh, what was his name? He was in Happy Days. He was in Revenge of the Nerds. He was Jefferson Ted, Darcy. Ted, um, Ted McKin McKinley? Yes, you're absolutely yes. right. Um, I, I mean, had to even, go down deep in the, in the memory bank for that one. <laughs> I, I remember Ted. I couldn't remember his last name. But, yeah, even though he was on Happy Days and Revenge of the Nerds, he's, you know, when you see him, you automatically say that that's Mercy Darcy's husband. Right. So, I mean, that was one of those television shows where it was so iconic. I think it ran for, what, eight years or something crazy like that, that their roles defined who they were. Great example. 
great example because married with children was on here the deuce of hazard is on here now john let's let's focus on the deuce of hazard for a minute okay um i i realized john schneider who played bo duke uh really tried it like he did a lot of made for tv movies and things of this nature tried to launch a country music career and i mean he's respectable i suppose like that wasn't anything that I gravitated towards like his music career, but you look at him, you look at Tom Wopat, you look at Catherine Bach, um, the three main stars of the Dukes of Hazard. That's who they are. Like to this day, yeah. Catherine Bach is Daisy Duke. She will always be Daisy Duke. Tom Wopat hasn't done much of anything. I think the last thing that he did that stands out in my mind, he had, he was a reoccurring character on Home Improvement as um uh it wound up being almost like a love interest to uh tim allen's wife's character in that show but when i'm when i was watching that i was like that's goddamn luke duke <laughs> yeah you know what i mean and that's that's when you know um the actor who played uh <coughs> roscoe uh p coltrane and, you know James Best. He's he did a number of different movies before the the Duke. A lot of westerns back yes. in the day. Yeah. Yes, but he was so iconic and so good as Roscoe that became his identity. You can look at the A Team, George Papard, Hannibal Smith. Um, he had a tremendous career in the 60s and the 70s he gets into the role of the of of hannibal smith and that became his identity for me or maybe it's a generational thing because i feel like maybe like my grandparents saw that and were like oh well he was in this movie and he was in this show and he did this well, i don't give a shit about any of that that is hannibal smith yeah. mr t could be taken out of that to a degree but if you if we're focusing on his acting career, I mean, B.A. Baracus was, you know, he was one of the mainstays and what made that show so popular. Now, he obviously made a huge impact. You know, he was the villain in Rocky Three, Clubber Lang. Um, but then he took that real-life persona and incorporated it into, I mean, it landed him in the main event of the first WrestleMania. And what? you get no more no more pop culture crossover than that. Mr. T was different in a way because B.A. Baracus <laughs> didn't define Mr. T. Mr. T defined B.A. Baracus. Mr. T defined Clubber Lang. You know, so when you saw Mr. T, it wasn't B.A. Baracus. It was when you saw Mr. T on the A-team, he was Mr. T. B.A. Baracus was a forgotten, a forgotten name, so to speak, to us younger folks because that was Mr. T. And let's face it, he had such a stellar rap career with Treat Your Mother Right. You know, Mr. T is universal. <laughs> what, I, what? I, I damn you for that, because that <laughs> that is permanently burned in, into my skull. It was With just me, about out of your head, wasn't it? Until it just was, now. Too. Yeah, <laughs> now I can I can picture the whole I can picture the video, I can picture the background dancers. Thank you. Thank you for reigniting that into my brain, butthole. 
Um, hey, real quick, going back yeah. to Josh Schneider, I can't believe you, of all people, didn't mention his Hallmark movies. <laughs> Are you trying to forget those, too? <laughs> I'm not real impressed with how this show is rolling so far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Not impressed. All right. Uh, okay. Oh, treat your mother right. <laughs> I will listen. I will. Mute, I will mute. You. I have a button. Oh, I, have, I have a button here that will completely knock your sound right out. Damn it! You do that next time we go to backroads. I'm gonna do that song if you do that to me. I fucking dare you. <laughs> oh. All right. Um. God damn it, man! Now I can't get it out of my head. Let's talk about the show Cheers real quick. Cheers was uh okay. Well, we'll we're moving on. Uh <laughs> well, George Witt, I mean, he he was in a lot of movies too. A couple mm-hmm. horror movies and whatnot, but he will forever be Norm and Cliff Clavin will always I don't even know his name. That's Cliff Clavin. John Ratzenberger. That's his name. Yep, absolutely. And uh, you talk about him. John Ratzenberger, uh, Cliff, he was the voice of one of the characters in Toy Story. Yes. But it wasn't John Ratzenberger's voice. That's Cliff's voice. You know, and that's yeah, that was Ham, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, John Ratzenberger, he took that character outside of Cheers, if you remember right. He was doing commercials as Cliff. Yeah. So, I mean, he literally became that character. Yeah. You know, and those are the the supporting characters because, like Ted Danson, who was uh, uh, Sam Malone on that show, like a lot of people for the longest time incorporated like that Sam from from uh, from Cheers. But then the lead actress, you know, made the switch. You know, first it was Shelley Long, and then Kirstie Alley come come in and, and replaced her as two as two different characters. But those roles, as big as they were on that show, did not define either one of those actresses. So it's kind of weird how how the dynamic works because both of them, in their respective runs, were on there for long enough to make an indelible impression on the show, but those characters did not define them. So what made them different? It's simple, uh, relatability. Uh, relatability. Uh, Christy Alley and Shelley Long, they both played, you know, highfalutin, you know, very well-to-do actors, or their roles uh, is what they were. I mean, if I remember right, Shelley Long was like a New York socialite who was shunned from her family or something like that and had to get a job at the bar. Isn't that how that one played out? I feel like that's how it worked out, yeah. And then Christy Alley's character, didn't she buy the bar? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, but when you look at those two ladies, like you said, those roles didn't define them, and because of that, they were able to have a more um, productive acting career in movies, like Shelley Long, like, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Troop Beverly Hills, uh, The Money Pit. Um, Trying to think, was she in Popeye with Robin Williams? Was that her? That was Shelley Duvall. 
Oh, Shelly Duvall, my bad. Okay. I got them mixed up there. Uh, Christy Alley went on to what? Look Who's Talking with John Travolta. Uh, she Richard did. Richard with Tim oh, Allen. Oh, Tim Allen. Yeah. I mean, so a lot of times these roles hold people back from more productive careers. And those two roles didn't. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. And, and as you said that, and we we talked about this at your house yesterday. One of the most obscure movies, forgotten movies, that centered around um, an actor or the this this particular actor who had a supporting role in a TV sitcom tried his hand at making movies. Scott Valentine, who played Nick on Family Ties, um, even in a supporting role like that. He, that kind of became his identity to when he when they tried to branch him off and do movies like my demon lover was was the big one that came out um after that it just kind of fizzled like it just was not going to happen because he had kind of played that role so well that people thought he was just a dumb gearbox head you know what i mean hey. <laughs> um and then you on on the other side of that, like family ties is a big thing with me, right? Like I've 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 mentioned it many times on the show here, but Justine Bateman, who played Mallory on that show, she hasn't done a whole hell of a lot since then. That became her role. Tina Yothers, who was you know the the youngest sister in that show, she hasn't done shit after Family Ties, and I, and I I don't know if that was her personal choice. To get out of Hollywood, or just they were not able to find any reputable work. I guess it, it's it's weird. But now you look at Michael J. Fox. Now, Michael J. Fox, he is part of another list I have here of actors, actresses that were so good that it's hard to define them by one particular role or character in the 80s for Michael J Fox when I say his name Sean what's the first character that is that instantly comes up in in your mind Marty McFly what would be number two uh probably uh Alex P Keaton that's it you know which one is it is it is it his movie persona or is it his TV persona because he's done amazing things outside of those two roles but with now, especially with the Back to the Future and the resurgence of popularity and, and all of this, it's almost like, okay, that is Marty McFly. And as strong of a character as Alex Keaton was, it's, um, it kind of takes a backseat to Marty McFly. Uh, Christopher Lloyd is on, is on my list here. Doc Brown. Doc Brown. Yeah. And this is after taxi. he was, yes, I was just going to say, he got his... He, for me, the first time he was on, on my radar was Taxi. But you go and you watch those episodes, and you've got to really, really look at him for a minute and be like, is that really him? Because he had the shorter, darker hair, and his face wasn't all beat up like it would be later on. But um, Christopher Lloyd kind of became Doc Brown. Like, he's on tour now doing all these Comic-Cons and things of this nature as that character. Um, uh, Eddie Murphy, you, you know, we talked about him last week. Uh, just he's 
he did his thing on Saturday Night Live. He did the stand-up thing, and but I mean, it just launched him into another stratosphere when Beverly Hills Cop came out. And yeah. this is this is after Trading Places. This is after Forty Eight Hours. Um, both great movies, great movies. But Beverly Hills Cop was was a game changer, and Axel Foley became one of those iconic characters. Would, would you agree? Oh yeah. Uh, well, Eddie Murphy's you know, as you would say, a lot of times uh, his aura I think is what attracted people to him because he always had that big smile on his face and he had that silly ass laugh and people would gravitate <laughs> towards him. Yeah, but. <laughs> You know, you were talking about Nick from Family Ties and, you know, how people related him to being a gearhead and he couldn't get decent acting gigs. If you really think about it, a lot of secondary characters who played, let's just say, less than intelligent characters, that's kind of how they got shoeboxed into their roles. Uh, Going back to Family Ties, we talked about him yesterday, Mark Price, the gentleman who played Skippy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He gave his, he tried his hand at acting. I gave you a movie to watch where he's essentially Skippy, but just a metalhead. Um, Think about Michael Richards, who played Cosmo Kramer on Seinfeld. Whenever you see him, that's Kramer. Um, a big one, Jaleel White, who played Steve Urkel. Whenever you see him, that's Steve Urkel. Um, I believe his name is Sasha Mitchell. Uh, he was, uh, oh, his name was Cody. What the hell was that show? Was it Step by Step? Yes, Step by Step. Um, you have no idea who that is, do you? That was part of the TGIF lineup, was it not? Right. He, God, I can't, I, I can see the the main characters in that movie, but I can't, or TV show, but I can't. Patrick so, Duffy. And... Patrick Duffy, Suzanne Summers. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he got pigeonholed as Cody. Uh, he, he's actually a very accomplished martial artist, and he's actually put out quite a few, uh, what was it, Bloodsport 2 and 3? So he followed up Jean-Claude Van Damme on those, which I know Jean-Claude Van Damme's one of your favorite actors to, to begin with. Um, <laughs> but I think people, because they're entertained by characters who are less than intelligent, like, like for, uh, go back to Married with Children. Look... Look at Al Bundy constantly reliving his glory days, you know, scoring, was it, four touchdowns at the Polk High football game? <laughs> people love that. You know, he was a shoe salesman, but he had all these insults and people could relate to him. I, I think that's why a lot of characters get pigeonholed in their roles. Now, to go a step further, um, sometimes you don't need to be that less than intelligent character. Sometimes you just need to be um, the victim, and uh, by saying that Ralph Macchio and the Karate Kid, uh, we talked about that very briefly. Ralph Macchio tried his hand outside the Karate Kid franchise and didn't succeed in a way that the Karate Kid movies did. Crossroads is one of my absolute favorite movies. Um, But you see what happened. I mean, the feeling of nostalgia, that 80s nostalgia come over everyone, and now we have the reboot in Cobra Kai. But I will never see Ralph Macchio, anyone other than Daniel LaRusso. 
in any movie he's in. And it's kind of sad because he's actually a really good actor. Yeah, my cousin Vinny comes to mind. The movie he yeah. did with, with Joe Pesci, and like by by halfway through the movie, I felt like I found myself not looking at him as much as uh, Daniel Larusa. And but when he first comes on screen, you're like, "Well, Jesus Christ, there there's the Karate Kid," you know. But as the and I don't know if it was just because of Joe Pesci's performance and and Marissa Tomei for for that matter because she was fantastic in that movie kind of overshadowed that. Um, another well, Marissa guy, Tomei, Marissa Tomei overshadows anything anyway. She is like, oh, I love me some Marissa Tomei. Yeah. Oh Lord, yes. Okay. I mean, I'm not mad about it. <laughs> 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 hey, real quick, going back to uh, what I was saying about the less than intelligent characters, and I can't believe I didn't throw this out there. Growing pains. And you guess who I'm thinking of? Boner. Boner. <laughs> okay, how did they? How the fuck did they get away with that, with that nickname on broadcast primetime television? Because his name, it's so funny about it. His name was Richard Stabone. Dick Stabone. Boner. So, <laughs> but that guy, Andrew Koning, never became anything other than Boner. How would you like to go the rest of your life, the rest of your career? Man, we got this very serious role for you. You're going to be playing a doctor who cures the world of AIDS. Oh, well, here's my credentials. I played Boner on Growing Pains. <laughs> oh, Jesus. What a time. What a time. Uh, great example, though. Great example. Uh, well, he, well, to be fair, you know, that to sound like a dick, but he, he passed away in 2010. So he really didn't have... Did he? I, I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, yeah. He come up missing, and then they found him, like, in a park years years later, so. That's terrible. You hate yeah. to hear that. Um, a boner. Just boner. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've talked about David Hasselhoff before. Yes. That, um, now, his career can be defined by two shows really right it's um baywatch and knight rider thank you i got Baywatch. You. yes you do um before bay well let's take baywatch off the table because that was very much a 90s thing knight rider um what was the bigger star was it david hasselhoff or was it the car Oh, what if I took the political stance and said they made one another? I, I I believe us as kids, we were attracted to the car, but without David Hasselhoff, it wouldn't have become the show that it was. That's you're absolutely right. Yeah, we were. You know, you you Hasselhoff is a unique character, not character because he's a real person, but I, I, he was he was very polarizing. Like he became the face of that show alongside that car. 
and we were convinced like this is the only thing this dude's ever going to do like that, that is michael knight until baywatch comes in into play and for baywatch to have the kind of success that it did as a syndicated show it wasn't on on network television it wasn't on prime time it was syndicated and it still set the goddamn world on fire is that more because of david hasselhoff and what he brought to the proverbial table or is it the the overall presentation and all of the other um we'll call it bells and whistles as it were bells and whistles let's call what it is boobs and schlongs (laughs) i mean that the success of that tv show was was built on you know hormones and adrenaline is what that show was built on. I mean, when you have Pamela Anderson running around out there in slow motion with a little more ounce to the bounce, shall we say? Um, yeah, people were tuning in. You know, you had these shirtless guys running around and these nugget smugglers. Women were tuning in to see this show. Um, did I you think say I, nugget smugglers? Yes, I did. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that show was uh, built upon was the sexuality and the reason why older people probably tuned in is because it also had a story beneath all those boobs and nuggets you know you had the, you had the mystery you had you know you had, it was it was it was uh, a, whole, a case of hormonal matlock is what that show was <laughs> Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Hey, let me ask you a question. Of course. You, you, you said Michael Knight defined Kit, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Wolpat and John Schneider defined a General Lee. I mean, I and that was proven. You know, when they brought in was it Cody and Vance to be on the Dukes of Hazard? Vance and Coy. Vance and Coy. That's it. And that show just tanked. Do you think if David Hasselhoff wasn't Michael Knight, that that show would have been as successful as it was? And do you also think because of Airwolf, that shows like Street Hawk and Airwolf were more popular because of David Hasselhoff and Kit? I believe David Hasselhoff and Kit set the table yeah. for, for that genre where you had a vehicle that became as part as big of a part of the presentation as the actors. Airwolf, especially. Airwolf had two very established actors in it: Jan Michael Vincent and Ernest Borgnine. Um, they did. Um, they had tremendous careers before Airwolf, but when Airwolf premiered, it wasn't about them. It was about this badass souped up fucking helicopter that could do anything. Anything. And, and, and just just the present, you know, they kept the bitch in a cave. You don't put helicopters in a cave. I mean, just that fundamental, very unique circumstance of where they hid this thing told you that there was something special about that particular vehicle. And it overrid what the actors, even though they're important. Because they're the ones flying it on the show, theoretically. But it became iconic. 
that's what people tuned in for. It wasn't to see Jan Michael Vincent. It wasn't to see Ernest Borgnine. It was to see the helicopter. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that could actually be its own topic. These iconic vehicles and props and things of this nature that defined that show or defined that movie. I use Blue Thunder as as um, as an example a lot of times, and people don't, not everybody, but by and large, people don't remember Blue Thunder, and I don't understand why, because that helicopter visually was way more impressive than Airwolf, but Airwolf, just because of the way it was received, gets top billing over Blue Thunder. Blue Thunder started as a movie that made the transition to a TV series, and it wasn't nearly as successful as Airwolf, and I get that. But visually speaking, Blue Thunder was a much more impressive-looking helicopter, in my opinion. Just my opinion. Well, listen, if we're going to talk about the vehicles that define TVs and movies, I want to tag in an extra. I want to bring in Joe Johnson. Yeah. And uh, because that man is a virtual encyclopedia uh, as far as uh, knowledge about vehicles and movies. I mean, because I, I can, you know, throw out easily off the top of my head six to ten TV shows and movies where the vehicle played an integral role. Um, one right off the top of my head and people would shake their head at me would be Magnum P.I. But it's on my list. Is it? Okay. sell it. Tom Selleck, uh, I don't know if Magnum P.I. defined him. It was that mu- iconic mustache. But, you know, Tom Selleck did a lot of, uh, uh, like, cowboy movies after Magnum P.I. One of my absolute favorites is Quigley Down Under. I knew you were going to that. Yeah. yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, but Joe Johnson, with his knowledge of vehicle, I mean, the other day he showed us a picture. Yesterday he showed us a picture of him riding around in the bat boat that was being towed by the A-team van. Yeah. You know, how cool is that? It was it, only Joe, dude. Like, that That dude, I, I want to get him on the show just because. Because he has seen and done some amazing things. He, you know, he, uh, million-dollar dude, cannot say enough about that guy. I, we could sit here. We, I mean, we might as well block out three goddamn hours, and that's just to scratch the surface yeah. of of everything that this guy's done, seen, talked to. Um, and you're right, absolute encyclopedia of knowledge in terms of shows, movies, props, vehicles, the whole nine yards. Uh, I just to sit there and pick his brain would be an amazing thing. You you can go into his office. And just with the the limited amount of stuff that he's got in his office is four or five hours worth of stories, you know, um, things that resonate, things that we talk about on the show week to week. He he has extensive knowledge in that. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, we, we can put a pin in, in that and put it off to the side and we'll bring Joe on and we'll tackle that as, as its own topic. Sounds um, good to me. Let me run run off a couple of different names here and uh, tell me um, what characters they are most uh, identified as, if, if okay. you don't mind. Before we do this, um, I got to do this real quick. 
um, for, for documentation purposes. <laughs> um, Fred Savage. Oh, uh, Wonder Years. Um, Kevin yeah. Arnold. Kevin Arnold, yeah. Along those lines, Danica McKellar, we talked about her last oh, week. Oh, Winnie bit. Cooper. Yeah. Now, who, who was the brother? The asshole uh, brother. I can see him. I'm thinking of his name. He was in a movie with Rodney Dangerfield. Actually, he portrayed Rodney Dangerfield in Back to School. Oh, what the hell was his name? I don't Jason remember. Herbie. Jason Hervey. That's right. Okay. Yep. Now, Jason Hervey went, would actually go on to become a very, very, very successful uh, producer. And um, he and Eric Bischoff, wrestling fans know that name, uh, started their own production company and developed a, a number of different TV shows for uh, more or less cable outlets. But they are, um, Jason Hervey is a very, he's a powerful man in Hollywood right now. And he, it's low key. A lot of people don't realize that. It's like, oh, he fell off the map. Jason Hervey was actually in Back to the Future. Did you did, did you remember that? Uh, wasn't he one of the kids that was playing the video game in Back to the Future Two? He was no. Lorraine's brother when he went when Michael J. fought when Marty went back to 1955. That's right. Who am I thinking of? He Elijah Wood. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, Peter Falk. Peter Falk, uh, Columbo. Thank you. Yep. Okay. John Ritter. Oh, Jack Tripper. <laughs> man, you came out of there with, <laughs> with fire, man. Um, <clears throat> you know, he actually had a pretty decent acting career too. You know, he had uh, Stay Tuned with uh, oh, good man, Dobber. Pan Dauber, uh, Real Men with John Belushi, and then one of our favorite movies, Bad Santa. <laughs> he that that was actually his last role. Yeah, is my understanding before he passed away. Jeez, man, what a tragedy that was. It slipped uh, my head. One of the one of the biggest eighties TV movies, or one of the biggest eighties movies for us kids back then. Fucking problem, child. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Amy Asbeck was in there with him. And golly, uh, her or Miss Marissa told me I take Amy Asbeck. Just putting it out there. Is that right? Oh yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> Bill Bixby. Oh, the Incredible Hulk. Okay, so yeah, Dr. I David said, Banner. I said that um, I was having a conversation the, the other day, and I was kind of rattling off some, some names here. I came up to Bill Bixby. They had no idea who the fuck I was talking about. And well, I'm like, how sad. <laughs> I really think if you would have asked people our age back then, it's funny because Bill Bixby, the Incredible Hulk, which is exactly what I said, but he wasn't the Incredible Hulk. That was Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. He was Dr. David Banner. But no, David Banner was the Incredible Hulk after he got angry. So, mm -hmm. Leslie Nielsen. Oh, man. Uh, I know what I want to say, uh, but he's been in so many other great things, so I don't think he's really defined by the Naked Gun series. So. See, that's what that's what I know him as. Lieutenant really? Frank Trebin. 
Yeah. On police squad. It started out as police squad. And it was a, I think that show ran for seven weeks, seven or eight weeks. And they canceled it because the executives thought it was a shit show and it wasn't drawing ratings. You go to 1988 and Naked Gun comes out. And it is the exact same thing that they did on Police Squad. But it became, it was one of the year's biggest movies. Um, but for, for me, I think of Leslie Nielsen. I think of Naked Gun. And then I remember in 1994, I know we're skipping ahead of here a little bit. He and George Kennedy, who played his partner on that show and in the movies, were in search for the real Undertaker. And it was a summer-long thing leading up to SummerSlam with Undertaker versus Undertaker. And they they incorporated those characters from the Naked Gun from Police Squad. That and that I feel like that's why when I think of Leslie Nielsen, Frank Drebin is what comes to mind. See, the the very first thing I, I couldn't remember his character. I, I'm trying to look it up right now. But was airplane because that line "Don't call me Shirley." Yeah, you know, that you know that line really nailed it home. But he was also in Scary Movie, which I love that franchise too. But he was in so many other silly movies, uh, and and one of the movies, and I had to order it special to get it. Do you remember Surf Ninjas? Yes. Okay, he he was he was the bad guy in Surf Ninjas. Um, couldn't tell you his name, but. You know, I know that was a 1990s movie, but it was still a very, very cool movie back then. But it's funny, too, though. When you watch Leslie Nielsen movies, he's essentially the same character in every damn movie. From Mr. Magoo to Repossessed. I mean, he's he has a niche. And it's not the roles that define Leslie Nielsen. It's Leslie Nielsen who defines Leslie Nielsen. That's unique. That's a unique perspective. And I have to agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's not, there's not a lot of people that can, there's not a lot of actors that can say that. Vince Vaughn. Yeah. That's every, every, movie. every movie he's in, it's Vince Vaughn. <laughs> My favorite movie of his Vince Vaughn's I'm talking about. Yeah. Red Claws. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. I, I love that one. And I love Wedding Crashers too. Yeah. So. Um, switching over to kind of the, the movie side of things here. And I realize, you know, this is, this can get a little bit murky, but as far as I'm, you know, as far as my, where my brain went to, we talked about Christopher Lloyd already, Doc Brown. Uh, we talked about Michael J. Fox, um, Marty McFly, even though he's done so many other, other movies. Uh, Brian Balf and I were talking about this and he brought up Teen Wolf and he brought up Doc Hollywood uh, for, for Michael J. Fox. Bruce Willis. Is Bruce Willis uh, defined by John McClane, his role in Die Hard? I don't think so. I mean, I, he's defined by the genre that he's generally in. Uh, he, you know, the action movies. Um, but, I mean, The Sixth Sense. You know, that was a, a far cry from his normal type of movie. Um, Death Becomes Her with uh, Goldie Hawn and uh, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. You know, it. He, I don't think he was defined by any one role because he, he 
played a diverse amount of characters to where while John McClane is very prevalent because of the other types of action movies he's played, I don't think he's was defined. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think a lot of people will go back to Moonlighting, you know, if they really knew who Bruce Willis was. That's where he got his start. I mean, as far as being on nationally known, it started with Moonlighting, he, he and Sybil Shepherd. Um before the whole Die Hard thing came into play, because I mean, once once Die Hard became well, date uh blind date that he did with with Kim Basinger, yeah, that movie does not get enough credit, and I fucking love that movie. If I saw it on video, I I would snatch it up like it was one. Jeff and I used to watch that movie all the time, and it's one of those like low key cult classic favorites that he and I would sit there and watch hundreds of times. Um, not a lot of people re- remember that movie. Um, the DVD cover, Bruce, Bruce or VHS cover, Bruce Willis, all disheveled, standing there in the tattered clothes. Then you got uh, her in the background, almost glowing like an angel. I was just going to say very angelic in, yeah. in the background. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle a name off here that I know it's gonna it's gonna re- resonate with you. People our age are gonna know exactly who I'm talking about. Younger people are gonna have to sit here and think about it for a second. Robert England. Oh, Freddy Krueger. Yeah, that's uh, him though, right? That like there, he didn't do anything else noteworthy other than Fre- than Freddy Krueger in my. Based on what I know about the guy, he he did a lot, um, a lot of B-rated horror movies. One of my favorite is 2001 Maniacs, where he played a character by the name of Mayor Buckman. But it was still the same type of tongue-in-cheek humor that Freddy Krueger would use to kill his victims. Is the same kind of tongue-in-cheek humor that he would use in 2001 Maniacs. Now he, uh, F- Fred Krueger was the definition of a horror villain back in the 80s. Um, Of course, you had your Jasons and Michael Myers, but those guys didn't say shit. Right. And their faces were covered. (laughs) And their faces were covered, yeah. And even though Freddy Krueger had, or Robert Englund, had all that makeup that made his face, his skin look the way it did, like you still knew that was Robert Englund. And yeah. because you could you could see his face, you could see his facial expressions, whereas with Michael Myers, uh, Voorhees, like they were masks and all these other gimmicks. Uh, so, you you know, they put anybody in under those costumes and they were they were just the characters. They weren't the people behind them. That's what drew me to Robert England, because you knew that was him. You couldn't put anybody else in that role under that makeup and have it be the, be the same thing. That's, I feel like that's what made nightmare on Elm street. So successful was there was that, um, that, that consistency, that guy is the one guy that was in all of them. Just he was opinion. in the adventures of Ford Fairway. Robert England. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that. You know, I'm looking at his, 
Because I was trying to, there, there's a lady who Robert England frequently co-stars with, or co-stars with Robert England by the name of Lynn Shea. I don't know if you're familiar with her or not. Um, do you remember, um, it's going to take me a second. Woody Harrelson, uh, oh my God, why can't I think of his name? He's from Michigan. Um that's going to drive me nuts. I'll think of it in a minute. A dude was in Dumb and Dumber with Jim Carrey. Jeff Daniels. Okay, so it's Jeff Daniels and Woody Harrelson, and they were bowlers. Jeff Daniels was a Amish guy. Kingpin. Kingpin. Okay, the the woman, the landlord, Woody Harrelson's land. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Thank that's Lynn Shea. That, <laughs> oh. I don't know where I was going with that now, but just your reaction from the, uh, <laughs> that just made my day. <laughs> There's something wrong with you. It's my hip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, that was disturbing on, on a few different fronts. Um, Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton. uh well, again, you can go into different genres, but I know exactly who you're looking for. Sadakana, you know, so, yeah, absolutely, I mean, the Terminator series. In in the 80s, I mean, even though technically the one, the first Terminator was the only one that came out in the 80s, but what a defining role for her. I mean, she, you know, took it a step further in part two, obviously. I mean, just became this legitimate badass between one and two, but... I think of even though she had um, a pretty lengthy run on the TV show Beauty and the Beast with Ron Perlman, um, she will always be Sarah Connor in 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 my opinion. This is going to sound totally sexist. I'm going to come off as a pig, and I'm going to put it out there because I don't care. Okay. Okay. I never thought that she was attractive. Okay, until Terminator Two. When she was just this ripped badass. I don't know why. It seemed maybe because she was just that strong as, as you know, as a woman in that, that made her sexy. But I I didn't think that she was the, uh, let's just say, sexual icon that they kind of made her out to be back in the 80s until Terminator 2. I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because she was so timid. She was so, uh, her portrayal of that character does a 180 between, yeah. between one and two there. And, and you're absolutely right. When, when part two came out, that's, that's one of the things that stood out when Terminator two came out. I mean, aside from the advances in special effects, especially with, with Robert Patrick's character, you know, as the main bad guy in that, like he could turn himself into fucking liquid metal and form any kind of shape he wanted. Like that was very cutting edge in 1991. But on the other side of that, Linda Hamilton, her physical appearance, just looking at a picture of her, like, whoa, like, <laughs> that is not the same chick from 1984. The shot that sticks out on my head is when she's sitting, I believe she's sitting on a truck, got her legs extended, working on a gun, sunglasses on, cigarette in her mouth, 
sun beaming on her from behind and the sweat glistening off her muscles. Yeah. That shot is so iconic, especially compared to what she was in the first one. I mean, just an incredible transformation. Ridiculous, mm. even. I'll, I, I would agree with that. Wholeheartedly agree with that. Ridiculous is the best word to use because it was. There is no shit reason why that should be a thing. Right. But, it, it, but it was. It was. Um, <clears throat> Burgess Meredith. Oh, Mickey. Yeah. Now, some people a little bit older than us would have said the Penguin, I'm sure. Yep. yep. But uh, no, he, he always be Mickey. Uh, though I did love him in Grumpy Old Men as, you know, the father. Yeah. Yeah. He was Grumpy Old Men, low key. They those two movies are among my like those those are two movies if they're on I'm stopping to watch it yeah because it was perfectly cast you put anybody else in any of those roles and it doesn't work um but uh Burgess Meredith's character in there playing um Jack Lemon's father yeah and now the funniest part about that role for Burgess Meredith is the outtakes. You know, oh, at the end, yeah. <laughs> I have a lonely kind of lonely. <laughs> and he was sharp as a tack, man. Oh, like, he, you know, he, uh, you could tell when he did those movies, he was very advanced in age. Like, I don't think he, he was around too much longer after the second one came out, but he was sharp as a tack. But as far as his individual work goes in the 1980s, it is Mickey Goldsmith from the yeah. Rock movies. Um, very iconic character. Um, Get up, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I loved him in Grumpy Old Me. He says something about the secret to long life is I smoke a pack of cigarettes, eat a pound of bacon, and drink a six-pack of beer a day. <laughs> he goes, then, then he hits you with that line, I think God forgot about me. Yeah. And then later you see him, you know, passed away in his chair, man, just rips at your heart because he made that role. I mean, he made you believe. And it's funny, too, talking about grumpy old men, I think, I think this could be a good one. Acting teams of the 80s, because Jack Lemon and, uh, oh, God, why is his name escaping me? Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau. Uh, between the odd couple, and then they did, uh, what was that movie, was it called Boat Trip? Where they were dance liaisons? Or... It's not Boat Trip, but I know no. what... I, oh, I know Boat what... Trip was Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, um, but, yeah, you uh, don't see too many comedy teams or acting teams anymore you said something last week and then and it kind of triggered um a thought process that was going down that road richard pryor and gene wilder they yeah. were in a in many movies together wild streak or i'm sorry yeah, was it wild streak or blue streak one, one of blue the streak two. um see no evil hear no evil uh they they were in a Several movies, stir crazy. Um, they... <laughs> we bad, we bad. <laughs> By the way, out to sea. Thank you. I, I yeah. knew I knew C was in there. I, I couldn't think of of what it was, but yeah, I mean Walter Matthau and Jack Lemon, very very good examples there. Um, Carl Weathers. 
Oh, Apollo. I mean, again, I could I could have said Chubbs, but Apollo was more of a defining role than Chubbs. For sure. Because it lasted more than one movie. You yeah. know, he, he, he made four movies. He made four Rocky movies. No, he, he was his Chubbs in two movies. What was the other one? Little Nicky. Oh, God damn, that's right. He yeah, he that. showed up he as a dance instructor. Yeah. yeah. It's all in the hips. <laughs> hey, be careful of that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry Hip about play. your hand, Chubbs. <laughs> okay, sidebar. Uh, how, <laughs> how underappreciated is Little Nicky? I watch that movie probably at least once a month. I love everything from the music score to it's probably one of the only Adam Sandler movies where he talks that baby talk that I absolutely love. Um, yeah, I, I love Little Nicky, probably one of my favorites. Yeah, that's great. That's a great movie. Um, <clears throat> this is one, this is a guy that was one of the fixtures of the 1980s. Did a number of iconic roles, but what is the one defining role for him? I'm talking about John Candy. Oh God, Uncle Buck. Okay, see that's where I'll, that's where most people go to, and I can see that. Brian and I were having this conversation. John Candy came up. Um, Chet Ripley Uncle, would be another one. Who? Chet Ripley. See, I said Chet Ripley, and. He was like, well, I don't know about that one. There, I, again, The Great Outdoors is a, another one of those movies that does not get the amount of appreciation that I think it does. Him and Dan Aykroyd were fucking phenomenal in that. Armin um, Dangerous, Harry Crumb. I mean, Wagons East. The list can go on and on with John Candy with his role. Home Alone? Yeah. That was very... That, his... His part in Home Alone small but impactful, and that apparently was a, he improved all that. Yeah, yeah, that's my understanding too, and that's that. That's the genius that was John Candy. You know, I feel like we're we're going to have to do a deep dive just on John Candy, and I have somebody that I'm going to tag in um, for that particular episode when when we go down that route. A huge Absolutely. fan, huge fan. Um. I've got two more here on this list, and these are two very accomplished actors that uh, more than made their mark in a couple of different franchises, if you will. Uh, it's just a matter of which one defined this particular actor, or did, was the actor so good that he defined that to the point to where he had enough star power to share the icon status of these characters. Michael Keaton. Okay. As soon as you said him, my mind went elsewhere, but then corrected itself because you're thinking Batman. And? Mr. Mom. No. Beetlejuice. You know, something, it's crazy. Beetlejuice is up on my wall, but I didn't even immediately go to that. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. Mom was probably the very first time I seen Michael Keaton. I absolutely love that movie. Um, and then, like I said, my, my brain corrected itself and went to Batman because Michael Keaton 
was Michael Keaton in those movies. Beetlejuice was like, I know this is going to sound crazy. You said Beetlejuice. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was Michael Keaton. But Beetlejuice was such a powerful character. It's almost like he stands on his own. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's Beetlejuice. Hey, come here. Got a nice Zagnut for you. You know, I mean, it's. Beetlejuice is, it's a character that can stand alone. Now, I don't think just anybody could play Beetlejuice like Michael Keaton played Beetlejuice, but the character was so powerful that it's one of those characters where it's almost like Mr. T. We know Mr. T isn't Mr. T's real name, but that's Mr. T. You know, you see Beetlejuice, that's fucking Beetlejuice. That ain't Michael Keaton. That's a unique take on that. I, I I can see that. And I would have to agree with that, but you're but the the other side of that is nobody else can play Beetlejuice. No, in, in in my mind, and that and I guess that's why Beetlejuice and Batman are the first two things that come to mind when when I think of Michael Keaton. And even though they came out in the late '80s, Beetlejuice '88, Batman '89, um, I I remember Mr. Mom. I remember Armed and Dangerous. Um, but those didn't stand out to me. They certainly didn't make the kind of impact on me that Batman and Beetlejuice did. For he sure. wasn't armed and dangerous. Not armed and dangerous. Um, Gung Ho. Yeah, that that was the one okay. I, I was trying to think of. Um, but it, it it was it was Batman. It was Beetlejuice. Michael Keaton. Now, sidebar: How excited were you, if you were at all? when you heard that Michael Keaton was reprising the role of Batman in the new Flash movie. I wasn't. You didn't give a shit? Didn't give a shit. I'm I'm not a big superhero guy. Fair enough. Never, never have been. Um, I do think that Michael Keaton was the best Batman. I haven't watched a Batman movie since the Val Kilmer Batman. So... Okay. No, I haven't, I haven't watched a Batman forever, so I haven't watched the Heath Ledgers. I haven't watched... Uh, ben Affleck. I haven't watched none of those. I, I, I own them, but they just don't interest me. Hmm. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> I, I kind of am. I kind of am a little bit, but like I understand. I don't follow the comic book stories, but I'll watch nope. the movies. You know, I, I got like that ruffled the feathers of a particular lady friend of mine that, um, you know, I had said that, and like I thought I, w- I was going to get stabbed. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm sorry. I just I don't follow the comic book backstories, the origins, and all that stuff. I watch what is presented to me. That's just my thing. I I guess superheroes who are portrayed in a serious manner were never my thing. But like, I love Deadpool. I think Deadpool's great. Um, Suicide Squad. I thought those movies were great. I just for some reason, I never bought into a serious superhero. Okay. Oh, I mean, it's not for everybody, for sure. Everybody's yeah. got their thing. I totally get it. Now, this last one on my list, Harrison Ford. So, right. I, I could tell you the one that immediately popped in my head was Indiana Jones, but then my mm-hmm. brain shifted, and it's like, no, Han Solo. Right. But it's Indiana Jones first, Han Solo second. But that's a testament to how great Harrison Ford is, right? Yeah. 
because even after after the Indian, I mean, they keep bringing that character back. There's a brand new movie that's coming out or being made right now, or it's fixing to come out. Another installment of Indiana Jones. Um, I don't know if that's just a, like a nostalgic act or if if you know we as fans are clamoring for another Indiana Jones movie. And I say that, and I think, well. You know, you 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 can put out nine or ten Rocky movies, and I am invested because I'm invested in Stallone. I'm invested in the character, but Stallone is not defined by Rocky. Harrison Ford is not defined by Indiana Jones because they've gone out and done amazing things. Other movies after that, you know, big name productions and other ones that kind of went under the radar. You know, Six Days, Seven Nights that he did with Anne Heche was, a, I love that movie, you know, and nobody could have pulled that off other than Harrison Ford. Um, but as far as iconic characters like you, like, because truth be told, I am not a science fiction guy. Like, I'll watch some things, but like, by and large, that is not a genre that appeals to me. But I respect what Star Wars is. I respect the impact that it has made on pop culture. It's just not my bag. It's not my thing. Indiana Jones is, though, and that is, when I think of Harrison Ford, it's Indiana Jones all day long. I'm wondering if they decided to make a new movie because of all the heat that they got for uh, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. You know, it wasn't very well received. Now, if this new incarnation of Indiana Jones flops, I don't think we're going to see another one. No, certainly not. And that's a good point. And that's why they keep making Rocky movies. They That's why they keep, or now it's spawned off into, into the Creed movies, the Creed franchise, kind of a spinoff of the original Rocky, because people still are invested. People are, I mean, I thought it was going to be over after Rocky V, because that movie was not well received at all. Because it didn't end in the ring. It ended in a street fight, a legit street fight. And it's like, this is not Rocky. But they came back with Rocky Balboa and kind of tied all of the all of the loose ends up. So, but there's still there's still a niche, there's still a fan interest in that particular franchise. And you see that with the success of the Creed movies. Creed three broke all kinds of records upon its release here a number of weeks back. Uh, but th- because it's still tied into the Rocky franchise. You make a well, good point, though. And it's funny because they should have known that. Well, I think they did know. They, they put out a test movie, or what I would like to call a test movie. And I, I think it's... It's not classified a Rocky movie, but you can't tell me it isn't a Rocky movie. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Grudge match. Grudge match. Yep, they have to fight between Jake LaMotta and Rocky Balboa. You know, the the what if uh, type movie. And they had to know the success of these Creed movies because I seriously think that that movie was a, a test movie to see if they were to move on with the Rocky franchise good point i never really thought of it like quite like that but i i can see that Absolutely. when they I can see that when they announced grudge match i believe it was just before christmas 
I wanted to see that movie so bad at the theater. And I was there actually day one that it opened up here at NCG and uh, Grand Blank. Mm-hmm. Love that movie. It's uh, I, I, I wish they would have took it a little bit further, but you know, it is what it is. You know, going back to Harrison Ford, it's funny. Um, I, I thought he was hilarious in Anchorman. I don't know if you remember that or not. Or actually, it was Anchorman 2. But one of my favorite Harrison Ford movies, I want to get your take on it. It's a newer movie. A lot of people shit all over it. Cowboys versus Aliens. Have you ever seen that? I didn't see it. Oh, man. That's something you should check out. For for real. So you're not into space movies, but they combine Western with space. It's the weirdest dichotomy you've ever seen in your life, but it worked. <laughs> I thought it worked. A lot of other people, like I said, shit all over it. Mm-hmm. Check that one out. Okay. You know, you said that and um, Clint Eastwood comes to mind as far as iconic uh, characters. Dirty Harry. Um, is that the way I'd like to find him? I, 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 I go with Philo Beto. That's the first one that Pops in my head. Then it goes to Dirty Harry. I love every which way but loose in any which way you can. I told you, you put a movie with a monkey in it, I invested 110%. So, you know, right turn Clyde. Boom. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great movies. Great movies. Who did I miss here, Sean? I mean, I know I missed a shit ton of them, but I mean, is there any that really stand out that like, wow, we didn't talk about this guy or that guy or this girl, that girl? You know, when I say Bill Murray, who, who do you think of? Peter Venkman. Peter Venkman. Uh, it's the same thing with Dan Aykroyd, and you know, uh, you know, you think immediately the Ghostbusters. Pat Morita. Oh, Mr. Miyagi. Do you go, Mr. Miyagi? I, I think of Al from from uh, Happy Days. From Happy Days. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking around the room here, and I mean, I, I think we we hit a lot of them. Robin Williams. Oh, see, now that's that's one that would go over on my side list here because he's had a lot of of big roles. But I mean, for me, the first one that comes to mind is Mork from Mork. Bingo. I, I think it's because he's never been in a movie where it spawned, you know, multiple sequels. Right. Um, Rob Williams for me is Mark for Mark, and then he's also Popeye. Yeah, which was I, a I, shit movie, but it, like I'll watch it if it's on just because of what it is. Yeah, yeah, I it mean, wasn't very good. I, <laughs> for him, uh, okay. So, as you would say, full disclosure, sidebar, whatever. Uh, we've talked about it before. Musicals are one of my guilty pleasures. Mm-hmm. They made Popeye a fucking musical. Why couldn't it have just been a regular movie? Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, sweet haven. You know, <laughs> or uh, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. You know what I'm saying? They, I, I don't understand why they had to make it a musical, but because it's a musical, every time it's on, I got to stop and I got to watch it just because I'm invested in musicals. So... I feel like that's one of the first uh, cartoon to live action movies that I watched as a kid. And that's why I was so dialed into it. I watched Popeye cartoons yeah, uh, all through my childhood. 
you know, and then you saw the live action adaptation into a motion, major motion picture. And they did a fairly decent job at trying to replicate what you saw in the cartoons in real life. That was really the first time I was like, damn. Uh, I mean, aside from the Batman TV series, but uh, as far as movies go, I think Popeye is the first one that really like, oh, wow, they they did everything they could to replicate a cartoon in a real life setting. I mean, even the character, the actors that they had played, Robin Williams, nobody else could, could have done Popeye. Uh, Shelley Duvall was olive oil. I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head that would have uh, portrayed that role. But Bluto, the dude that played Bluto, was spot fucking on. Yeah, he was. No idea who he was, but he was pretty damn awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, we were talking yesterday at your house, and I can't believe we haven't even touched on this during, you know, the recording here. But you talk about 80s people that are defined by their characters. Webster? Oh, Jesus, there's another one. But no, (laughs) there's one that uh, really stands out above and beyond because... Even his attempts to go outside of that uh, of that box of that character was not very well received because he became this character. I'm talking about Paul Rubens. Oh, Pee Wee Herman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the epitome of what this show is about this week. Like, yeah, he will never ever be anything other than Pee Wee Herman, and just the. Uh, iconic status that he was able to make that character and i and i wonder how much of that ties into the real life legal problems that he got into that kind of took him off the radar for a little bit but man when he came back in into the spotlight people were were ready for it and to this day paul rubens is Wee herman for sure. Absolutely. And there was a very prominent actor, I'm going to see if you can guess this, who tried to create a character very similar to Pee Wee Herman to try to find that same popularity and never quite achieved it. The actor was Martin Short. The character was Ed Grimley. Mm. You remember that? Yeah. He, he tried very hard to create a Pee Wee Herman-esque type character, but because Paul Rubens had already established that, there was no way that Martin Short was going to establish that character. You said Martin Short. I think of Cat in the Hat. <laughs> oh, Cat kidding. in the Hat? He is the voice for the PBS version of Cat in the Hat. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, and then his role in Three Amigos. That's exactly... Well, I was going to say Three Amigos. And and I'm just going to throw one more out there, and then, then I'll be all done. One of my absolute favorite television shows, the guy never achieved any more status after that, was William Cat, The greatest American hero. Greatest American hero. And then one of his co-stars went out and tried to make a name for himself, but because he did so well in the movies, I don't think he will. he ever broke out of that character. Okay. Michael Paré. Oh, man. Eddie Wilson. Eddie Wilson. uh, From Eddie and the Cruisers. Eddie and the Cruisers. He did so well with that character. 
I, I think maybe he did some soap operas after that, but he didn't go anywhere after Eddie Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, well, what a great movies Eddie and the Cruisers were. Criminally underrated. Yeah. And they really are. And they've kind of become that cult classic, you know, that gets filed under cult classics. You know, there is there is a genre of people that really appreciate those movies. I appreciate the soundtracks in them. Like I bought those those two soundtracks on cassette tape multiple times and wore the shit out of them. Now but, I can download them, you know, onto my phone and they're and they're there forever now. What's so funny about those soundtracks are is Michael Paré did such a good job being Eddie Wilson that people when they hear on the dark side that's Eddie and the Cruisers. Yeah. No, that's John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown band. Right. <laughs> you know? And I think that's why he never broke out of that role because he did such a phenomenal job playing Eddie Wilson. Great example. Absolutely. And I just watched a movie a couple of weeks ago. When I first moved in here, I got one of those Xfinity Flex gimmicks. Like, I'm I'm not going to pay for cable because I don't watch enough TV to pay for cable. But this came as part of my package deal for my Wi-Fi. I ha- obviously have to have Wi-Fi. Um, there was a movie, and uh, of course, I'm going to forget the name of it, but it's st- the two stars in it. Um, were Steve Austin and Steven Seagal. And Michael Perry is the bad guy in this. And it was the first time I had seen him in anything recent in a long, long time. But as soon as he came on the screen, I'm like, well, there's Eddie Wilson right there. So what was the movie? Do you know? I can't I can't remember what the fuck it was called. Uh, I know it had Steve Austin and Steven Seagal. And Steve Austin is what drew my my attention to it clearly, and then I'm like, oh, Steven Seagal's in this motherfucker. But it's, <laughs> it, it's a Steve Austin movie, so I'm going to check it out. I yeah, wish I'm looking. That, yeah, it's it was a direct DVD gimmick. I can tell you that it wasn't it wasn't re- released in theaters. You know, it's funny. I'm I'm looking at Michael Paré's movie right now. And I would say 95% of the movies that he was in was direct to DVD. Yeah. I didn't even know he was in a lot of these, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll just stop there. <laughs> this was, this was a fun topic, man. Yeah. Yeah. I had a good time with it. I mean, anytime you look up at the counter, we're we're approaching the hour and a half mark, and it seems like we've been doing this for forty five minutes. That's when you know you're onto something. So, right? Yeah this this was a this was a fun topic. Real quick, vacation was a success. We finally got our Clark bars and our Zagnuts. So. Yes, <laughs> yes, we did, and. Uh, thank you to you for making that happen. Matt Mabon, who kind of steered us to the place to go to get the Zagnuts, the ever-elusive Zagnuts, um, I, you you got that. You, you picked me up a couple, and like I enjoyed one last night while I was here when I got home, and it's like, this was everything that I remember it being. <laughs> <laughs> I got home last night. I grabbed one of my Clark bars. Yeah, I'm like, Damn, this isn't as good as a Zagnut. 
I won't steer you wrong, pal. I won't yeah. steer you wrong. But yeah, I mean, that was, we were on the hunt for him for months and months. And, you know, you finally achieved that, that. And it's like, man, this is awesome. This was yeah. Great. Uh, yeah. So your, your vacation was a success. I reaped the rewards. You got me a cool little, little gift basket kind of, kind of thing, you know, yesterday. And it, really really meant a lot and like the zag nuts were in there a couple of other little, little gimmicks in there and uh you know it's the, it's the little things in life that make it what it is you know and if you can focus not not so much on the overall fuckery that goes on in the world around us and really focus on the little things that make life happy even in little spurts i mean that's you add those up, that's what it's all about, right? Absolutely. You know, if you know, if you can make someone stay with just a couple gimmicks, as you say, then go out and do it. You know, put a smile on someone's face. As you would say, be awesome to one another. I mean, because that's, if not, then life is just going to suck. So make those around you happy and make yourself happy. what it's all about, for sure. We get one shot at this thing, man. What, what are you going to do with it, right? I know uh, what I'm going to do with it. What's that? I'm going to be at the Backroads Bar. <laughs> Damn it. I was just going to do that. I was just oh, for, yeah. Well, I'll yeah. let you take over. You got you oh. got a better voice than me. Go for it. This Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> the Backroads Bar and Grill. <laughs> this no. Friday night, Backroads Bar and Grill, Holly, Michigan, 8 p.m. it starts, power tripping into the 90s live costume and karaoke party sean and i are going to be there yes in costume we are recording live there uh dj cassandra ray hosting the whole thing uh the karaoke portion of this um uh back rose bar and grill our home away from home if you were at the 80s party that we had a number of weeks back you know what to expect we are expecting to eclipse that and, uh, man, as this show drops, it's like 48 hours away. So we're very much looking forward to being a part of this thing. And uh, who knows what other doors of opportunity are going to open stemming from this one, Sean. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, we had the show started at 8 o'clock, the last one on the 80s. We started People started showing up at like 6 o'clock while we were setting up. Yeah, we didn't even have all of our shit set up yet, and people were walking in. Yeah, so make your plans. Get there early. Backroads has some really good food there, so uh, don't be afraid that you're going to go hungry if you uh, come to the show early. Come to the show early. Get Sunday to eat. You see Jason and I there. Come on up. Introduce yourselves to us. We'd love to talk to you. We'll sign autographs. We'll take pictures. We'll do shout-outs. Whatever you want to do. You know, that's kind of what we're there for, so... Uh, one more time, this Friday night, it goes down, April the 28th, starts at 8 o'clock, theoretically goes to midnight, if not beyond, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Backroads, Bar and Grill, Holly, Michigan, look over to our Facebook page for all of the latest information on that and everything else we got coming up, coming down the pike here on the PFC Entertainment Network because we're just really scratching the surface here. A uh, real quick, shameless, cheap plug for myself. The uh, next Sunday, May the 7th, um, I'm going back to Backroads for Close to the Heart Live, uh, my one-man motivational stage show. 
um, Gary was very gracious in allowing me to um, get back on stage at his establishment. Uh, that starts at three o'clock on May the seventh, Sunday afternoon. Come out! I've got some shit to talk about, pal. And uh, there's only one way to do it, it's, and that's to see it live, uh, May the seventh. Um, anything else? Oh yes, go to our online store and check out the new merchandise. This week there's going to be a big release of new merchandise. Check that out, cafepress.com forward slash PFC network. Um, our colleague, our uh, sister show, The Heat Vent, now has a, uh, which which drops on Fridays here on the network, has, its, has a brand new sub-store with all kinds of uh, gimmicks in there. So check that out. That guy, man, it, he kind of comes off as an asshole, but towards the end of his podcast, you can tell he's got kind of a soft heart, kind of a he, dick. Uh, full display <laughs> in the next few weeks here. So if you haven't checked out the heat vent, they're, they're roughly about a half an hour long. So, I mean, not, not a tremendous, um, not a tremendously long show, but man, impactful Thir 30 impactful minutes every single week. Um, on the heat vent. It gets you thinking, for sure. It really gets you thinking, so check that out. Uh, Mondays is Hanging with the Hitman uh, with Todd Gilbert and Brett Fortney. Tuesday is the flagship show. Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, is going to be the real podcast. It's Amy Week here <laughs> on, on the network, which I'm always excited about. And then uh, the following week will be Turnbuckle Time Machine. So, Stay tuned to all of our social media outlets for all of the latest information. We certainly appreciate you tuning in this week. And we will be back next week with a recap of this big live event we got coming up this weekend. And there's no telling what else is going to be flying uh, around the studio here. For Sean Grugel, I'm Jason Klaus. Go out, be awesome to yourselves and to each other. We will see you right back here next weekend with a or next week with a brand new uh episode of power tripping through the 80s here on the pfc entertainment network